everyone, this is Paloma Contreras. Welcome to The Style Files. Before we dive into today's episode with our special guest, I wanted to take a few minutes to speak to you from my heart. I know that these past couple of weeks have been especially difficult and dark for so many of us. It's been a very sad time since the murder of George Floyd in Minneapolis um, at the hands of a police officer. And I think the reckoning that has come as a result of that has opened many of our eyes. Um, We have realized that there's a lot of introspection to be done. And I know I personally have been doing a lot of that, as well as having some difficult and challenging, uncomfortable conversations with friends and colleagues about how we move forward and how we can be part of a positive change rather than being part of the problem uh, that systemic racism has has been for all of these centuries. Um, I have spoken out about this on Instagram, which is the platform that I use most frequently. I'm there every day. I'm not releasing podcasts every day, obviously. So um, I wanted to speak to you on here as well in case you haven't been on Instagram or don't follow me there. Um, But I want you to know that I am committed to doing better and being an ally to my black colleagues and friends. Um, I realize, I understand on some level how difficult it can be to be someone who is different. I myself am the child of Mexican immigrant parents. I'm a first-generation American, and I understand what it feels like to not always be accepted. I understand firsthand what it feels like to feel like you don't belong or to feel like an outsider. Um, In addition, you know, just in my career, I didn't go to design school and have had an unorthodox path that's led me to where I am today. And there are naysayers that don't feel I belong here. So I understand what it feels like to face adversity. But what I have had to face is nothing in contrast to what my black friends and colleagues deal with on a regular basis and have dealt with for centuries. I realize that because I have light skin and green eyes and light hair, I have been afforded a cloak of white privilege. And I haven't felt firsthand the prejudices and racism that so many other people deal with on a regular basis. And I I feel guilty about that. I feel lucky, but I feel guilty. And as someone who is deeply empathetic and who feels that this is a human issue, not a political issue, because I've had plenty of of, um, negative comments and blowback and people saying that I shouldn't talk about politics on my platforms. Well, to me, this isn't about politics. This is about basic human decency and basic human rights, about doing the right thing and doing unto others as you would have them do unto you. So for anyone who doesn't agree with that, I'm sorry that we don't see eye to eye. And um, I hope that you can find it in your heart to understand why this issue matters. I also want to say that I am committed to making this platform of the style files a more inclusive one. I realize, and I've known all along, you know, I, I'm aware of this issue it, it, for the sweet person who chose to leave um, a, a review stating that this podcast is for whites only. You could not be more wrong. Um, first and foremost, this is a person who has harassed me 
since 2007 um, and who has been terribly nasty and ugly to me when I have treated her with nothing but kindness. So um, just, you know, as she kindly pointed out, this is this is certainly not a white only podcast. Um, I think what's what the issue truly is, is that so much of what is focused on in the interior design community happens to be um, white designers and it's a it's an industry-wide issue Um, I want you to know if I'm fumbling over my words I just I don't have the answers I don't know the right or wrong thing to say I'm speaking to you from my heart if you know me if you've met me you know that I'm a good person with a pure kind heart and good intentions I am a person who is inclusive and who always wants everyone to do well and I care deeply about others so that comment was very hurtful because it could not be more untrue when I came up with the roster of people that we've been asking to be on the podcast I started first and foremost with friends because I needed to ask people I knew to be on Who would take a chance on a podcast that was brand new if they didn't know me? So that was part of it. I also want you to derive inspiration from this podcast and to hear from people who are very accomplished in this field because I feel that we can learn from them. We do have people of color who we have recorded episodes with. Some have aired, some have not. Um, We have asked people of color of all various backgrounds to be on the podcast some have accepted some have declined so to say that we only feature one type of person on this podcast and um, could not be more untrue Um, it just feels like a disingenuous and opportunistic attack very much in keeping with this particular commenter's character Um, and it has nothing to do with me who I am as a person or what my mission is with this podcast or any of my platforms. I started the Style Files this spring as a way of providing a little ray of sunshine and hope for those of us who love design in the midst of the coronavirus pandemic. We were lacking connection. We were lacking the ability to leave our homes and connect with other people who also love design, to go into our offices, to visit the decorative centers, to go to show houses, to engage with design in the way that we typically do. So I thought I should do this. I should put together this podcast and bring these creative conversations to people who really need them and who need a ray of sunshine. My mission was not to focus solely on one shade of of people's skin, but to focus on people who I knew personally and who would agree to do it and who would share their stories very candidly. And I'm so grateful to all of our guests who have been so open and generous with their advice, with their stories, with their wisdom, with their insight and their outlook on how we come out of this dark moment in our time. And I'm especially grateful to all of you listeners who have been so wonderfully supportive and who have reached out to me and said the nicest things about how this podcast has inspired you and moved you. And I want you to know that this moment in time has inspired me And I am committed to doing better, to listening, and to constructively work towards becoming part of 
a solution, whatever that looks like. I don't think any of us know at this moment. It's too early to tell, but I want you to know that I plan to do my part. And as a result, we will be featuring, of course, more people from more diverse backgrounds, people of color, and um, people just in general who are doing interesting and exciting things in the world of design. Thank you so much for listening. I'm sorry to have gone on for so long, but it was really important to me that you hear from me. And So without further ado, I will leave you with a conversation with Alex Papacristidis, one of the top and most renowned interior designers in the industry. We recorded this conversation about a month ago, as we do with most of our recordings. Uh, they typically are scheduled out and recorded in advance. And so... Um, this was recorded at the beginning of May. I hope you'll keep that in mind. And again, thank you so much for listening and for all of your support. We're here together. Hi, everyone. You're listening to another episode of the Style Files podcast. I'm your host, Paloma Contreras, and joining me today is one of the most celebrated interior designers in the world of decorating, Alex Papacristidis. He's a true master of elegance, glamour, and the most sumptuous interiors. The work of interior decorator Alex Papacristidis, featured in this month's veranda, has been described as thoughtful, personal, and eclectic. Having mastered the skill of fusing modern and traditional elements, editors, designers, and clients alike use the word sophisticated to define his elegant approach, color palette, and the delightful details that make a room sizzle with style. Born and raised in New York City, Alex Papacristidis traveled widely in his youth, helping to cultivate his eye for interior decorating. Papacristidis established his own firm in 1987 and today is known for arresting, elegant interiors that meld classical motifs with a modern perspective and sophisticated details. Alex Papacristidis' work has been featured in Architectural Digest, El Decor, House Beautiful, House and Garden, Southern Accents, In Style, and The New York Times. He's also been featured in a number of published works, and in 2012, his own book, The Age of Elegance, Interiors by Alex Papacristidis, was published by Rizzoli. Now in its fourth printing, the book has garnered praise from readers and critics alike. Papacristidis has been named to El Decor's A-list of interior designers and for several years, including 2020, the Architectural Digest's AD100 list. His second book is slated to be published in 2022. Alex, we're so excited to have you here today. Thank you so much for joining us. How are you? Good. How are you, Paloma, darling? I'm doing well. So where are you these days? Are you, I'm assuming you didn't stay in the city? Well, you know, we thought about it. We really weren't sure what to do. You know, I, I hate to desert New York, but but I felt like it was the right thing to come to the Hamptons. So we came out to our family country house in the Hamptons and we're out here and it's been beautiful and magical. I mean, the weather hasn't been the best, but, you know, it's great to be able to have nature here and to be able to walk outside and it, it, it's been beautiful. Well, that sounds so nice. And you are a, a tried and true New Yorker. You grew up in New York, didn't you? Oh, absolutely. Born and raised. You know, I, I love New York. I can't imagine living where anywhere else. I mean, we travel a lot, which is great, but but I love New York. It's home to me and I, I'll never I'll never leave New York. Well, sure. It's hard. to It's hard not to love New York. I've found myself missing my trips to the city that I usually take around this time. And just last year, I was spending a lot of time there for um, for the Kip Space Show House. So. I remember your beautiful room. I remember. Absolutely, darling. I remember. Thank yes. you. Well, I what, a, 
what a I difference know. a year makes. <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I worry about the charities and I worry about Kips Bay and, you know, I think it's very important that we all rally and support Kips Bay now and all the charities that we love. That's exactly so, right. Very they important. need us more than ever. They need our, our support more than ever. Absolutely. Because they, there's no show house. That's right. Well, I know that they're postponing it. They're not saying that it's canceled. So we have something to look forward to. We just don't know when yet. But in the meantime, you know, we're encouraging people to donate as they can because the kids that depend on the Kips Bay Boys and Girls Club really need those services more than ever. And, you know, that is a New York, you know, it's a New York charity and it's super important for New Yorkers to support local charities. It's very, very important. So anyway. It's, well, it's, it's a wonderful cause. Speaking of the, the grand dame, New York herself, how did growing up in New York inform your aesthetic? Well, you know, um, I think living in New York was amazing because you were exposed to so much culture and there were constantly amazing exhibits, theater. Um, you know, New York is just incredibly stimulating and there there is so much to see and do all the time. So it had an enormous impact on me but I think more than anything it was my mother who had the impact on me because she took me everywhere Mm. she took me shopping at auction and she loved beauty and she was such an esthete and again you know she was so cultured and 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 exposed me to the opera and the ballet and and every incredible museum exhibit and then we traveled a lot too which was very important to creating my aesthetic you know Europe was 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 a big influence on me and seeing the incredible houses and the great museums and exhibits and you know all of that affected my point of view right so not only new york but also traveling all over the world right and seeing that incredible you know the europeans have such an incredible aesthetic and and i think i'm very much a combination mm-hmm. of european and american sensibility and i think that really helped to to um to 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 make my aesthetic point to sure and papa christidis is greek right yes it is greek (laughs) absolutely and and actually my blood is all greek but born and raised in new york i'm i'm a i'm a greek new yorker (laughs) (laughs) well that is what new york is it's a melding pot of so many you know people coming from so many different places and that's what's wonderful about it that's right absolutely so uh, you mentioned growing up with your mom taking you different places and how how that impacted you as a child in terms of seeing different things and really training your eye to see to understand beauty in various forms. Did you always know that you were destined to be a designer? How did you end up where you are? You know, know, Paloma, it's crazy. It never crossed my mind. I know that seems crazy. And so I was sitting, I I got into my family business, which was shipping. And I had done that for four years. And I just felt like I needed something creative. So I, I had thought of what are all my favorite things. And I was always interested in fashion. So I thought about the fashion business. And I was like, nah, no. Uh, and then I thought about opening a flower shop with a friend. And I thought, you know, it's wonderful. And I love flowers so much. But it's, you know, I, I just, no. And then I thought, do I want to go into the restaurant business? And I thought, and I looked into that. And I was like, no. <laughs> so I was really at a loss. And I, I, one of my best friends came over. And we were sitting in my living room. And she said to me, Alex, you have great taste. You should be a decorator. Well, Paloma, it was literally like I was hit by lightning. I 
gave her a kiss, ran to Parsons, enrolled, and never looked back. And that's 34 years Wow. And you actually got your first major commission while you were still a student at Parsons. Is that right? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, and that was intense. And I, you know, I was lucky enough to go to the D&D building and meet this wonderful lady by the name of Brigitte Williamson, who was just amazing and she worked at Brunswick and Fee and she sort of knew everybody and she took a liking to me and my dog at the time I had a Bichon Frise named Blade and she opened an account for me and that was sort of the start of giving me a little bit of you know a a, a sort of acceptability in the business if you had an account at Brunswick and Fee it it meant Mm -hmm. something and then Counting and Tout um, Lily Brown uh, Lily worked at Counting and Tout and she also opened an account for me. And I said to Lily, you know, I had this wonderful project and I really couldn't do it alone. So I needed to hire somebody. So Lily recommended um, a wonderful young lady by the name of Leslie Anderson, who had worked for another designer for years and, and was ready for a change. And Leslie and I met up and uh, it was just perfect. You know, we, we, there was a simpatico right away and we just totally felt comfortable together. And so I said to Liz, Leslie, you know, I was looking to hire somebody, but you know what? Let's be partners. I felt like that was the right thing. So we started off a 50-50 partnership and Leslie and I worked together for probably seven years. And, you know, Leslie used to do the invoicing. She'd take, do the invoicing at home at night on her typewriter and we'd give the clients the invoices the next day. And it was just the two of us and we had the best time and it was wonderful and we were super productive. And we did quite a few big projects. And uh, then we really worked out of our homes. Eventually, you know, I hired an assistant and worked out of my house, uh, worked out of my apartment, my, my apartment that I lived in for 28 years before I lived in the apartment that we live in now. And so, you know, we really kept the business very small and tight for many years. And, and it was wonderful. That's so great. And how wonderful that you had her in the beginning, because I can't imagine if you were still in school that you knew exactly. I'm sure you had the taste and understood the aesthetic side, but I'm, I'm, I would imagine you were learning 100%. a lot in terms of running the business and executing the yes, project. Mama. I, I had never, I had never worked for anybody. I had never been in the decorating business before. So Leslie brought so much to the table and, and, and really was, you know, I wouldn't have had a business if it wasn't for Leslie. And that's why I felt like partnership was the right Right. thing. So we have a lot of different people listening to the podcast from established designers as yourself to people who are thinking about making a career switch and maybe looking into a design career. What advice do you have for someone who's wanting to go out on their own and start a design firm? What do they need to understand about running a business and managing a team? Well, I think really, you know, in the beginning, you don't manage a team, right? you're just running a business. <laughs> and, and, you know, Paloma, I think the thing is that just keep your overhead mm-hmm. down in the beginning and make sure that this is something that's really going to go somewhere for you. And that's, I think that's the key to, look, it's the key to running any kind of successful business to always keep your overhead down. But I mean, sometimes it gets, you know, now it's a, it's a totally different situation, uh, eight employees. It's, it's a totally different kind of business. My business is entirely different than it was in those days. And so, yes, you know, 
keep your keep your business tight is my mm -hmm. suggestion, especially mm -hmm. now. And and work out of home if you can. If you have that, you know, if you if you can do that in a in a in a in a you know in a productive manner, then then work out of home in the beginning. Don't go out and get an office if you don't have to. Don't have a lot of overhead. You know, get somebody to work with you if you don't have experience of the business. You need somebody with a knowledge and experience to help you. And that's what I did, and it was very you know it really worked out very well. Right. Yes, I think you stay small as long as you can in order to avoid having that major overhead, which can really be a burden if if you're just starting out and you don't have a steady stream of projects coming in, it can be a little bit scary. And also, Paloma, your vendors are very mm -hmm. important to you. You need, you need a good upholsterer. You need a good curtain maker. You need a good painter. You need to have good resources because you're as good as your vendors are in terms of being a designer. And that not only are they good at what they do, but they deliver on time. And that's very important. You know, I was very lucky in the beginning. I used all the best vendors and I, I collected resources from everybody I knew. And, you know, there, there definitely is trial and error. But often if you use high quality people, they tend to be the best. And, and, and you know, it might be more expensive. But as I always say to people, you know, cheap is expensive. Because if you have to redo it, it's That's not right. Good. It needs to be done properly. That's once. so true. And we rely on those vendors to really bring the vision to life. And also, you know, if, if they are doing the best quality work, that then makes the decorator look good in the eyes of the client because they've delivered exactly what they promised to and it's not falling apart or there isn't some sort of issue where it wasn't executed as planned. Absolutely. And also down the line, you want, you know, I always tell people that, you know, yes, we can go with something that's less expensive, but the quality will not be the same. You know, you do get what you pay for in certain respects. So, you know, that that's very important to right. remember. Well, Alex, your apartment is one of the most beautiful spaces I think many of us has ever laid eyes on. It's this stunning maximalist fantasy. I always think of you when I... Um, what I think of well, you have to, next time you're in New York, you need to tell me and you'll come over and see. I would person. love that. And I get to meet Teddy. <laughs> like, oh my God. The angel. <laughs> it's a little between you and me, Paloma. It's a little overshopped. Right <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't exactly look, yeah, I'd still take pictures of it on Instagram, but you know, that's the problem. You know, you just become, you know, I'm such a decorating junkie myself. I mean, oh my God, I just love things, beautiful things so much. And and we love our apartment and we really use it and we live That's so it. That's great. And important. I think people are realizing how important that is right now more than ever. It can't just be pretty. It has to be functional and comfortable and really speak to the way that you live in those spaces. Well, I'm all about, I'm always, you know, Paloma, I'm a big believer mm -hmm. in that, that, that rooms are meant to be comfortable and lived in and user-friendly and practical. You know, I'm sitting right now in our breakfast room and my niece has a, a seven-year-old daughter who's adorable. And, but, you know, the chairs in the breakfast room are laminated because you have to be practical. You know, they're, they're, they, you have to be practical. You have to have things in certain places that are wipeable and cleanable. But then again, our house is super formal and dogs, you know, we have damask sofas in our living room from Clarence House from, I don't know, literally the fabric on those sofas has been on those sofas probably for 25 years, 20 years wow. at least, maybe more. And, and I'll tell you, they've worn like iron. So, you know, there's a balance between quality and practical, 
but make sure that everything's comfortable and user-friendly in houses because it all needs to be used. I hate rooms that feel unlived in. They're so sad. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. So is anything off limits for Teddy or is he able to lounge wherever he chooses in the house? Well, you know, he's gotten older. So, you know, we have to the, the really, the, we, we take them out of the kitchen and they come and sit with us. But really, they, they first of all, they're at this age, you know, Teddy's 17. So he's really obsessed with the kitchen and food at this point <laughs> of his life, as is Mocha, my niece's dog. They just love, and they're so cute together. They're, they're in the kitchen and the breakfast room and they stay here a lot. And I, you know, I try and bring him in to watch TV with us, but he gets bored and he likes to come back to the kitchen because there's so much activity. So they love that. Um, but at night he comes upstairs and sleeps with me. He sleeps oh, with us in the bed. He's so sweet. And he, he looks like a puppy still. He has such a beautiful little face. Oh, he's unbelievable. He really, he's amazing. He's, you know, I, we did have to break down and let the hairdresser come. His groomer, Jorge, <laughs> came and gave Teddy and Mocha a grooming across the way because he was just, it was getting out of control. I mean, you know, that's a long time for him. He used yeah. to, he's used to having a haircut every 10 days. So for him to last six weeks was intense. I mean, the poor guy couldn't see him. Oh, poor thing. So his hair was so long, but anyway, he's adorable <laughs> and cute. Um, well, back to your interiors. You're known for these beautiful jewel-toned color palettes, but you also design in more neutral hues. I, I, For instance, that stunning dining room that you designed for the 2016 Kip Space Showhouse comes to mind. It was silver and cream and just so beautiful. Silver and, silver and gold silver and, and white. Silver and gold and white. Well, you know, I did that very deliberately. Paloma, I am a color mm -hmm. person myself. You know, I love color and I love living with color. But I, you know... Two of my big projects at the time when I was doing Kips Bay, um, both my sisters that is in Veranda this month, right. which is she had asked for all gold and silver and white, and my dear friends, um, the Brumans, whose apartment was in El Decor, which is all gray and white and silver and a bit of gold. That was what, and Laura, Laura Brumond is the one who actually told me, Alex, you should be a decorator. So just, just, just to go full circle, 34 years ago, she said to me, Alex, you should be a decorator. And her apartment was in El Decor, I don't know, last year. And it's all gray and white and silver. So I felt like those two projects were my biggest projects at the time. And those clients were asking for gray and white and gold and silver. And I thought to myself, well, you know, if that's what the, they're, they're totally separate individuals, that's what they're asking for. That must mean that there's something out there mm. about. So I thought I'm going to be a little commercial, and I'm not going to go with Alex colors. I'm going to go with what people are asking for. So I did the room, and it it had such incredible response. It was unbelievable. So there is something out there in the field that a lot of people still do love neutral colors. You know, they love that sort of white. But again, I approach it as if it is a layered interior just the way I would a colorful interior so there's tons of textures and there's you know painted surfaces and you know artisanal surfaces and it, it's it's still just as layered and that room had incredible Gracie wallpaper mm -hmm. which you see I, I used in my sisters again in a different way but it was all gold and white and silver the uh Kipps Bay room plus it had antiquities antiques it had modern pieces. It had the incredible table by Eve Kaplan from Jerry Bland. It had contemporary art. It had a wonderful little George Kondo sitting on the mantle. 
So, you know, it's, it's, it's all in the mix. It had those beautiful consoles that were Mona von Bismarck's, who's going to want to buy great style icons. And she is, you know, somebody who inspires me all the time. I'm very inspired by history and the past. And whenever I do a room, a show house room, I sort of think to who is the person that I'm doing this room to. And it was a modern day version of Mona von Bismarck, if she had still been alive, with incredible quality and, 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 and beautiful objects and furniture in it. It's a really smart approach because you have, to, you have to think commercially to some degree. Obviously, it's an opportunity when you do a show house to really flex your creative muscles and do something that you may not be able to do otherwise because typically we're tied to a client and their wishes and parameters and all of that. But to also think of it as an opportunity, you were seeing that your biggest clients were asking for this type of palette. So to be able to execute something in a similar palette and potentially attract more clients, um, I think is a really smart approach. And it's such a soothing sort of um, peaceful room, the, the Kips Bay room, as well as your sister's home. There's something very soothing about that more neutral palette, but it doesn't feel any less exuberant or luxurious or sumptuous than your most colorful interiors because of those layers that you were talking well, about. Well, thank you for saying that, Paloma. And, and, and it was interesting because I learned that from doing that. Do you know? Mm -hmm. Do you know? It's mm -hmm. so interesting because when you do things, you learn yourself. You know, you're inspired. And I'm sure you feel the same way I do, right? There's so many. I mean, I'm often inspired by my clients. And, and, and I, I think that that's, you know, I'm inspired by history. I'm inspired by my clients. I'm, I'm inspired by a location. I'm inspired by the scale of the room, the light, you know, where, where is, where is the house? There's so many different things that stimulate the creative process. But I think the wonderful thing about that Kips Bay room was for me is that it just all came together in, in, in a very, all my favorite things came together in a, in a beautiful way, but it taught me that I don't need to use color to still have that same impact of decorating. Sure. What are some of your indispensable design elements? Oh my God. I mean, there are so many, you know, I love fabrics and I, I love beautiful window treatments. Um, I don't like normal beds. I like beds to be, you know, incredible pieces of furniture in the room. It's very important to me in a bedroom that the bed is very special. Uh, there's just, I mean, I love prints. I love satins. I love velvets. I love, you know, I love antiques. Antiques give a room gravitas for mm -hmm. me. It just, they ground a room. I love a sense of history in the room, but then I love contemporary designers. You know, I think Jerry Bland has so many, you know, whether it's Eve Kaplan or Andrea Coppell, you know, there, there are all these wonderful people out there, you know, the Carpenter's Workshop has, you know, Ingrid Donay and, and they, they have so many beautiful artists that they represent. So I love, I love, I guess indispensable for me is interiors that feel timeless and classic by using quality things and things that feel as if they've been here forever, that the shape is very classic. Right. And, and, and that it's timeless. What is the fabric that you used on your sister's bed? The one that's in veranda this month. Oh my God. That I, that is a Kelly Wurstler. That's like a, it's an animal print. It's like a snake skin by Kelly Wurstler and it's in like a gold. Yeah. 
Oh, you're kidding. I wouldn't have, yeah. I wouldn't have heard I love, of Kelly project or fabric in one of your projects, but it works beautifully. Oh, I love, I love Kelly's fabrics. I use Kelly's, I use Kelly's dishes mm -hmm. and I use her fabrics all the time. You know, again, I mix them with very classic elements. Do you know what I'm right. saying? It gives, I love modern fabrics with traditional furniture. I think it makes it more exciting. I like that push-pull of the mix of contemporary and antique. And I also think it makes antiques feel relevant. Right. That's so true. That's so, so true. They need context. And it really is yes. all about the mix and creating that tension between elements. Because if everything is of the same style and period and provenance, it can feel flat. It feels wrong. It starts to feel, it feels like, feels like a museum. Right. It doesn't feel like somebody's home. And again, it makes it all feel fresh and new. Remember, you know, antiques were made 18th, 19th, 17th, 18th, and 19th mm -hmm. centuries, many of them. And, and of course, there's lots of, I still use vintage things and I use 20th century pieces that I love. But you want to bring them into today. You want to make them feel a part of our current life. And I think the way you do that is mixing them in a new way and mixing them with fresh fabrics. You know, you put you put just a sort of a, a beautiful satin on an 18th century chair that's carved and very ornate. And somehow it feels very fresh. Is there a favorite antique that you own in any one of your homes that you just absolutely love? Your very favorite, if you could only save one piece. Oh, my God, oh my God sweetheart. That's so tough <laughs> to say. I mean, if I could only save one thing, it would be my dog, of course. It wouldn't be a thing. But I mean, oh. God, Paloma, I don't know. There are so many things I love. You know, I'm a big Lalonde fan, mm -hmm. you know, uh, Claude Lalonde. So I, I guess, I don't, I don't, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, I'll tell you, you know, when I, when I came out to the Hamptons and I felt like it was going to be a while, I did take with me some objects and, and I bought some tableware and, you know, I bought my, my Bucciolati bamboo flatware and I bought, you know, my Messenia salt and pepper shakers from Venice and I bought, brought, you know, my, my collection of Schlumberger boxes. So there were things that I did favor when I was coming out here, but I don't know that, I mean, there, you know, I'm such a collector and I love so many of my things. I don't know what I would take first. I think it's so because... interesting that you brought things with you. And I think that says a lot about being an aesthete and what those objects mean to you because someone else might think oh that's silly they're just things but to someone in our profession who is driven by beauty and finds meaning in those things that I'm sure you brought them with you because they represent the comfort of home to you a hundred percent absolutely darling it was and I like to be surrounded you know yes there's plenty of things in this house but not all my little things that I see every day in New York. And normally I, you know, I spend a week here, I spend 10 days here, I spend the weekends here. I'm not here all the time. And I felt like, you know, I wanted the things that I love to be around me and to bring our New York apartment out here because I felt like I wouldn't see that for a little while. Right. And I'm so happy I did it. Well, speaking of tableware, you have a reputation for being a spectacular host. In fact, I dream of having a glamorous birthday party at Mr. Chow because of your birthday <laughs> parties. My 40th is in a couple of years. And that's that's what I would love to do is go up to New York and have a fabulous birthday at Mr. Chow. Um, oh, it's such a great <laughs> restaurant. It's so yummy and delicious. And there's really nothing like no. it. I mean, there's nothing like it. And and the physical room is so it beautiful. Is. I love that, that location, the original on uh, what uh -huh. is it on 50, 57th 57th. 
And it's exactly the same way as the day it mm -hmm. opened. So I've been going there since I was a kid. And again, I love it because it's so, it's unique and it's such a New York moment. Definitely. So you, you set the most beautiful tables. Was that the impetus for your Everyday Elegance collection? Tell us a little bit about that. So really how that started is I was, um, um, that yes, I mean, I think it stems from loving hospitality and entertaining and beautiful tableware. And it's something that's so much a part of my everyday life in the country, in the city. Um, and I've also been blessed to have worked with, you know, some of the great party planners of all time, whether it was Robert Isabel or, you know, who, who used to do parties for us or now David Mon, who has incredible taste and, and, and really, you know, is like a partner in crime with me when, when we entertain because, you know, we work together so well and we have such a great rapport. But again, so I, I, I'm on the board. I was on, I, I went to, I have a great friend by the name of Lisa McCarthy who, uh, was on the board of ARF, Animal Rescue Fund of the Hamptons. And we, um, we did, we started doing, uh, we, we started doing the, the, uh, the dinners for ARF. And we realized how much fun we had setting the tables and putting the whole maison scene together and, and, and working together. And Lisa was leaving another job and she said, you know, I'd love to do something with you. And I said, oh my God, Lisa, I would love to do something with you too. And we felt like, there was no beautiful online business for tableware. And we weren't prepared to open a shop, but we thought, you know, the whole world's going online. Isn't this a great time to develop an online business for tabletop? Mixing new things, things that we made ourselves, mm -hmm. and antiques. Setting the table the way I would set a table in my house. Whereas I would take objects from all over the house and put them on the table, whether it's a beautiful pair of obelisks or you know, some silver dishes, 18th century silver dishes from the living room that are out or something beautiful and mix them in with sets of china, beautiful candlesticks, flowers and different cash pose. You know, I collect so much out here and I have a big variety of cash pose and, you know, candlesticks and multiple sets of flatware that I buy at auction. I thought, wouldn't this be fun? And Lisa loves it also. She loves to entertain and she loves setting the table. So we started this business really out of working together at ARF, which is, again, an, a wonderful cause that we love so much. It's a no-kill shelter that rescues animals from all over the country. And now, you know, sometimes, you know, we've rescued animals from China as well, from that ghastly festival. Oh. Uh, disgusting. But, but really, you know, and so it came from such a positive place, from working together on this charity. And, 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 and we started Everyday Elegance and we love it so much. You know, it's, it's so wonderful. And it's another outlet to be creative in a different way. And now we've actually started designing, I've started designing dishes for us that are unique to Everyday Elegance, which is wonderful because I feel like people are looking for something that's different that you can't find anywhere right. else. So I'm custom making dishes and all the patterns that I'm doing, you can do in any color you want. And we have a whole range of colors. So I think that's fun. And I think, again, that's sort of where lifestyle is going. It's about unique and couture. It's about things that are individual. And as I always say to people, you know, I, when, I, when I do a show house or I'm out and about doing a book signing, someone will come up and say, what do I do with my, my dishes? My children don't want them anymore. And I say, you know what? Try to encourage them to take your dishes and find a modern dish that they can mix in with the set. Or, you know, find a new dish that you can add to the collection and make it feel fresh and new. 
you know, let's not turn our backs on the past. Let's take the past and let's take our antiques and make them feel fresh and new again. And we do that at Everyday Elegance, as I do in my decorating. I love mixing different types of, of yes. pieces on the table. I think that makes it feel so much more fun and original. And personal. Your table should be a personal reflection of you and who you are. Who cares if somebody else doesn't do that? Do it your way. Do it in a unique way. Make it, you know, add the things you love to your table and make it fun and special and make it into a conversation piece. You know, people love to sit at the table and see interesting things put together in a personal and unique way. Absolutely. Well, speaking of entertaining, let's pretend that we're not in the midst of this coronavirus pandemic and you could have a fabulous dinner party with say six guests, six fantasy guests, anyone living or not, who would you choose? Oh my God. Oh, <laughs> well, I definitely would choose Mona von Bismarck because I think she had such incredible taste and, 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 and a, you know, wonderful, wonderful life. I think, uh, who, oh my God, I'd love, I'd love Renzo Mangiardino mm. to be there the great decorator, because I'm sure he would be fascinating and so interesting. Uh, I would have um, Georges Chefois, another favorite decorator of mine, who I absolutely adore, who had, you know, incredible taste and decorated for amazing people. Mm -hmm. Let's say uh, Marie Helene de Rothschild, again, somebody who I think of as having amazing taste and great style. Um, where am I? I've got four. You've got four. That's, is that four? Uh, two more. I would say, um, ooh, ooh. how about the Duchess of Windsor? Again, another one of my style icons and such an interesting and complicated life. Very yes. fascinating. Great taste. Um, probably a little bit, you know, I guess I found things out about them recently, watching shows and reading about them that I didn't like so mm -hmm. much, but still interesting and lived an incredible life and a great taste. And let's say, how about, whew, let's say Siri Mon, the decorator, adding her in, because I think she would bring something interesting to the table. Because again, she sort of had this incredibly modern aesthetic at a time of freshness. Oh, well, I do love Elsa DeWolf too. We forgot about her. She was supposed <laughs> to be such a character. I would have loved to have met her also. Well, I'm sure you can set um, an extra place setting for Elsie. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm totally from that school. You've got me down. I never like to say no. So I always have enough chairs, enough dishes. I can always add another table. I have, you know, I'm always prepared. And I hate to, you know, if a friend calls and says, oh my God, I have a house guest or my friend just decided, you know, they're, they're in from Paris. Can I bring them? I never like to say no. I always like to be inclusive and say yes to my friends that they can bring an extra person. So I'm totally from that school. Such a gracious host. Well, you know what? I, you know, again, my mother was so hospitable and gracious and she just felt that, you know, I think it's very Greek that your house should be a place where people feel comfortable and, 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 and you always have all the choices, all the options, and you always make your guests feel at home. What are some special things that you like to do for your guests? Is there like a signature to your style of decorating or not decorating, well, entertaining, I should say? You know what? I, I think the best thing is to be very well prepared. You know, I have friends who I know drink specific scotches or specific vodkas or, you know, we don't really drink diet sodas in the house. And, you know, I don't really believe in diet soda. But you know what? We do have diet soda because 
that's part of being a good host. There's everything, we're prepared for everybody's taste. You know, whenever I cook, I always think to myself, to people, not, what if you don't like red meat? You know, I have friends who are vegetarians. I'll often have a vegetarian choice. I make sure that I'm covered in every base because you want everybody to enjoy themselves and everybody has a different taste and sensibility. So choices and options are something I believe. Right. That's so great. Is there anything that people might be surprised to learn about you? Well, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I think I have a very practical side to me, which I don't know if people really would know. And the other thing is I love a bargain. <laughs> I just love a bargain and I love passing it on to my clients. Nothing makes me happier than finding something beautiful in Hudson, New York, that's well-priced and we can just snatch it up and put it into, you know, a beautiful, luxurious interior. And I love the mix of high and low. You know, I think that, that a wonderful little wicker wastebasket under an 18th century desk is so divine. It, again, it makes it feel very comfortable and approachable. Everything can't be grand and right. fancy. There needs to be a mix of things. And sometimes things that are inexpensive are divine. What has been one of your most recent bargain scores that you got really excited about? Oh my God. Bargain score. I mean, you know, it's all relative. I guess I, I, I had been looking for years for a beautiful modder. Mm -hmm. You know, those terracotta that come in sometimes in in porcelain and sometimes in terracotta. And I found one in the Manhattan Art and Antique Center that what I thought was from Alexander Antiques that I thought was very well-priced and beautiful. Mm -hmm. For a client though, I found the most beautiful little Japanese lacquer trunk. Again, in the Manhattan Art and Antique Center that was a wonderful price. And we'd been looking for something to go into this living room, something just beautiful, an object to go on the floor, sort of a la, oh, I forgot about her, a la Pauline de Rothschild. Mm -hmm. Oh, I definitely would have wanted Pauline de Rothschild at my table. <laughs> I loved her taste. Yes, you know, that, that room. Beautiful aesthetic, you know, of all of her taste, you know, she, she would just have one beautiful object sitting next to a golden, gilded chair. And I had been looking, you know, I was out at the Manhattan Art and Antique Center and I'd been looking for something special. And I found this incredible lacquer box that was her, that was of that genre for the client's living room. And it was so well-priced. Oh, that's always so fun so, because it's rare in our profession to come across something that is just right and isn't, you know, I, I always tease that, of course, I'm going to like the most expensive option because that's just how this goes but <laughs> when you do come across something and it's a, a good value for what it is that's always exciting well again but but I think it, it's I think it's it's a good point that you bring up Paloma because I think in order to know what a good value is you need to have shopped in the best right. stores you right. need to look in them when you go to Paris don't be afraid to go to the best antique stores when you come to New York go to the best antique stores, go to the Chinese porcelain company, go everywhere, go, you know, go to uh, Hyde Park Antiques downtown and look at, you know, great English furniture, go to good antique stores. You know, unfortunately, Dalville Brothers is, 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 is coming up at auction, mm -hmm. but go to auctions, go to Sotheby's, go to Christie's, look at the great collection and teach your eye to see great quality because then you could be, you know, in a, in a, I, you could be at a flea market and find something fabulous that nobody wants and people don't understand what's there. It does still happen and get great value. Right. So, 
So expose yourself, teach yourself what's the best. And then when you see it, you'll know good quality and you'll be able to snap Do it Do you like to shop at, at auction quite often? You know, really, it's, it's, it's probably one of the, the most, you know, it's one of the places where we shop the most mm -hmm. now because there just aren't antique shops as many. We, we've lost so many of our great antique shops. You know, they're just not, there aren't as many as there used to be. Of course, I still shop at, at, at you know, I, I love Louis Bofferding, Liz O'Brien. Um, I love the Manhattan Art and Antique Center. Jerry Bland mm -hmm. has incredible things, both new and old, the Chinese Porcelain Company, um, Hyde Park, as I said. You know, I go to all the antique stores and, you know, I shop everywhere I can and I'm constantly out there shopping and looking. But, you know, the old days of having so many great stores in New York, they're, they're, so many of them have gone. Right. Do you... But auction's a great place to, to, to shop, yes. I, I, I just curated an auction for Christmas yes. that today is the last day of the auction and there were great things. And again, you get such a variety of things at auction. I think it's so you fun. Know, you get everything. It, the, the rush is sort of fun, but you have to be prepared. You need to study the catalogs up front and have a strategy and get Absolutely. your client on board. Absolutely, there's all that. And I also think I, what I always do is I ask for real photographs of the things. If you're not able to preview the auction, if you're looking at things in Paris or in London and you're not able to preview the auction, you know, have somebody at the auction house who can send you real photographs of it other than the catalog mm -hmm. pictures so you can get a real feel for how it looks because sometimes sometimes how it looks in, 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 in the catalog and how it looks in real life can be a little different. That's such a great piece of advice. And I also always ask for like, I say, can somebody sit on that chair for me? I want to see the scale of what a human being looks like sitting on the chair if I'm looking at it and it's in Europe and I can't see it myself. Right. Gives you a great sense of proportion because scale and proportion is so important to decorate. It is. And typically antique chairs are of a much different scale than what we're used to currently so you really have to be careful and tables too oftentimes antique tables can be rather low it's, it's important that you really get on I'll, the other thing that i do the other trick that i always do is i always compare it to a piece of furniture either in my office or in my house so i'll get all the measurements and then i'll compare that chair to like you know a, an open armchair i have in my mm -hmm. office or so, so you get a sensibility of scale, the height, the width, the seat height. So you understand it a little better and you have a, 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 an understanding of, of what that actual scale of that piece is. That's smart. What is currently inspiring you in the world of design? I guess, you know, inspiring me. Um, I guess my taste has changed and it's always evolving. And I think that Kip's Bay Room sort of changed my sensibility a bit um i think i think you know history always inspires me paloma always but then artists uh all the beautiful creative artisans who are out there making beautiful furniture who i mentioned mm -hmm. before i think they inspire me but i think the thing that inspires me the most is history and bringing it into the present day and as I said, you know, often my clients inspire me, the, 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 their houses, their apartments inspire me, the light inspires me, um, fabrics 
I'll, you know, I'll see an incredible new collection of fabrics and that'll inspire me. That's wonderful. Other people, uh, you know, decorators inspire me. Uh, a great museum exhibit will inspire me. A painting. I'll go to the museum and see, you know, an incredible 18th or 19th century painting and the colors in it will just inspire mm -hmm. me. I think we're inspired by nature can be inspiring. I mean, we're inspired by so much around us. It's so true. It's inspiration really is anywhere. It's all around us. It's wherever you look, you just have to train your eye to see and really take the time to allow that inspiration to, to present itself. You know, I was looking at, uh, you know, of course, we've all watched probably so many TV shows and so many movies. And, you know, I'll see an, a divine lampshade in an old movie and I'll be like, oh, my God, I got to put this on pause and I got to snap a picture of that lampshade. It's so wonderful. Or, you know, I was watching an old movie and, and the decoration was so divine in, in this girl's apartment. It was just so stylish. And I was like. And, you know, it was probably a movie from the 60s, but the mix and the way they did things was just wonderful. Which movie was so it? I'm, Do you remember? I, oh, my God. Yes. I have to. Oh, my God. I have to. I have to go on my list. I'll find okay. it for you and I'll text it okay. to you. Well, it, I've, I've seen so many things. I've seen so much television and so much. Every night we watch TV and we watch a series and we watch shows. So I can't remember. I, I have to find it. I, I took a picture of it. So I'll go on my phone and say, fine, and send it to <laughs> okay, you. Okay, perfect. So Alex, we're recording this conversation in the midst of staying at home during the coronavirus pandemic. What has this experience taught you? Have you found a silver lining? You know, it's taught me that thank God that our house is so comfortable. And, you know, we're so blessed and lucky to have this beautiful house and, to, to, you know, to have ways of exercising and, you know, to have comfort and, and how important the home is. And I think that's very inspiring that, that it's our house is so relevant to us. And you know what? It's so nice to be with your family and to be together all the time. And that's wonderful. Also, you know, I am a very family-oriented person myself, and also to spend so much time with my partner and our dog, and just to be home and cozy and not to be rushing and running all the time. We spend our lives rushing and going. So I think that's wonderful. Um, and I think there will be, I think that everyone will be inspired to pay attention to their houses because we realize how important our homes are to us all. So I think it'll be very good for the decorating business. Um, I'm hopeful that it will be too. I think more than ever, as we said before, you know, people are realizing how important home truly is. And because travel is such a huge industry and for many of us, it's something that we love to do and spend a lot of money on and we can't do that right now. So I think if people have to stay put, they're going to be thinking about how else, you know, if they can't go on vacation and they can't travel the way that they typically do, how will they be spending that money if they have to stay put? Well, they're probably going to be working on their homes. And also, Paloma, I find there's nothing more soothing than having a beautiful mm -hmm. home. I mean, it just, it, it makes you, you just feel so comfortable and happy 
and tranquil, and it gives you such a wonderful sense of security. To be surrounded by beauty in your own home, I think, is, is the best luxury in the world. Absolutely, without a doubt. Well, as we wrap this up, Alex, I'm going to ask you one last question. If you could go back in time, is there a piece of advice that you would give your younger self? You know, Paloma, I think that, that I would say to my, to my younger self, you really have to live it to understand it. You have to make mistakes. You have to, you have to be there. You know, it's the best lesson. You know, opening my own business and, 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 and also the other thing is in this business, Paloma, anything that can go wrong will go <laughs> Isn't wrong. Isn't that the truth? And, I mean, <laughs> so don't ever think that anything's for sure because you have to dot your I's and cross your T's. Our business is not a business for somebody who is not compulsive because you have to really pay attention to everything and you really it 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 comes down to you your name is on the front door and it's your business and you are responsible for everything and you need to really really be focused on the details and make sure that everything goes smoothly and it's 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 a crazy business as i said you know i've had every kind of crazy experience under the sun and of course, it's all solvable and it's decorating. It's not brain surgery. So, but you really have to pay attention to all the details and you have to be on everybody's back and you need to be very specific with purchase orders and POs and, you know, you pay attention to all the details always. And no matter how, you know, how many years you've been doing it, you still need to pay attention to the details and check and double check and make sure that everything's right. Approve all those cuttings for approval. Make sure that you're buttoned up. Absolutely. Truer words have not been spoken. My goodness. Well, Alex, you have been an absolute delight. I'm so happy that we got to connect today and hear more about your Thank story. Thank you so much, You are a ray of sunshine. Thank you, my angel. Thank you so much. Well, I hope to see you soon. Be well, my dear. I hope so, too. A big kiss. And thank you. Thank you for having me. Of course. Bye-bye. That was interior designer, Alex Papakristidis. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode. Be sure to visit us online at thestylefilespodcast.com where you can find more episodes featuring inspiring conversations with creatives. You can listen directly on our website or subscribe via Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you're enjoying The Style Files, please consider leaving us a positive rating or review. It will only take a few seconds of your time and will make a huge difference for us. Also, be sure to follow along at Paloma Contreras Design on Instagram, where I'll be sharing the news of the latest episodes. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.